Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by All the Best Pet Care, All the Best Food, Treats, and Toys for Your Dog and Cat. Find them online at allthebestpetcare.com to see where all of their 10 locations are around Western Washington. The Dog Show is also proudly brought to you by The Natural Pet Pantry, Seattle's original raw and cooked food for both dogs and cats. They are locally made. Naturalpetpantry.com is their website, and you can find out all about the wonderful food that they offer. And we'll be talking with Eric a little bit at the very end of the show about how Abby the Beagle is doing on her new Natural Pet Pantry diet. Mm -hmm. The dog show is also brought to you in part by Jet City Animal Clinic and Dr. Erica Anderson, located on 12th Avenue, Capitol Hill, Seattle, right across from Seattle U., JetCityAnimalClinic.com is their website for your dog, cat, or chicken. Uh, Wonderful vets there have been getting rave reviews from my clients and friends who I've sent to Dr. Anderson. So check them out if you're in the market for a new vet. So on the show today, we have uh, a great uh, organization and founder of organization, Judy Anderson-Wright, is with us today with Project Canine. Judy, welcome to the show. Julie, glad to be with you all. (laughs) So you guys do so much over there, and you're located in Seattle, and you do a lot with animal-assisted therapy. Um, You do a lot talking with kids in schools around bullying. You do work with puppies, dog dog bite safety, lots of stuff going on over there. We do. Lots (laughs) of good stuff for the community. Yeah, and it's projectcanine.org is the website. Correct. And you can find out about all their wonderful things um, on the site. And I'll post all of uh, your guys' contact info on our homepage, which is dogradioshow.com, and also on our Facebook page. And, Judy, um, this interview will be rebroadcast on Sunday at 1 as well for maybe members of your community that couldn't listen today. Terrific. And then, um, as with all of our shows, they're archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, and also a free podcast on iTunes. So just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and you'll uh, see our over 215 episodes now archived online. I've listened to some of the archives, and I usually listen to you Sunday afternoon when I'm out doing my errands. Oh, you do? Yeah, I was really excited to end up being on the other side of the radio. Yeah, (laughs) well, that's wonderful. So tell us first about, now you do sort of like therapy dog certification and training, is that right? That's right. And... So what is involved? I have people ask me about this all the time. Oh, you know, I'd love to, uh, you know, a lot of people have a fantasy about, you know, taking their dog to visit, you know, kids in the hospital or um, or to, uh, you know, nursing home to visit with residents, which I did when I was in college. I volunteered. And this will be sort of maybe amusing to you because it is to me. This was some time ago. Um, when I was in college at University of Vermont, I volunteered with a an organization called Pets Helping People, and we went to the local greyhound rescue where there were ex-racing greyhounds for adoption and loaded some of the ones up that the woman who ran the rescue thought would were f- suitable for the job and just carried them around in vans to local nursing homes. It was very informal, um, but so powerful, and now... Um, I think we we were lucky that nothing, you know, there was no formal um, training or certification or evaluation of these dogs other than just the woman's blessing who ran the rescue. But 
It was so powerful. There were many times that we left in tears because of the uh, the connection that people just had instantly with dogs. And then they would tell you about the dogs they had their whole lives and really wonderful. So what is your if someone's interested, um, you know, you're located in the Seattle area. So you what areas do you work with? Well, we work all Puget Sound. We have teams now um, on the Kitsap Peninsula. We have a person over there who um, helps with the programs. Her name is Pam, and she's come and become a certified trainer evaluator so we can have programs there. We have teams down in Tacoma right now, and we have teams as far north as Bellingham. We um, do a lot of work in the Seattle area. Um, east side, not quite as much, a lot of west side, but we do do a few things um, on the other side of the lake. And we also have a satellite program now in Oregon and um, are just growing as as the opportunity comes. So mm-hmm. we provide lots of services to lots of different um, organizations. You were talking about taking the um, greyhounds my business partner here at Great Dog, which was the kind of the Project Canine was an offshoot from Great Dog, but she actually has been involved in a program in Florida still to this day mm. that's doing the exact same thing. And that breed is a fabulous breed for doing this kind of work because they really, um, one, are so beautiful and fun to look at. And I don't know what it is about them, but they're always really soft-coated for a lot, mm-hmm. and people just seem to enjoy them. So that's interesting. That was your very first therapy dog experience. Yeah, um, they have a very gentle mm-hmm. demeanor about them. They do. They and do. it's interesting that you mentioned Florida, because when I was in college, I, did, um, a, I took a speech class, and uh, one of the speeches I did was on the, the industry of greyhound mm-hmm. racing, and it from what I learned, Florida is one of the states that needs greyhound rescue the most um, in the country. Well, and I know that they're doing, um, that's something that Lori Leslie has been very um, proactive in, in terms of um, working in a positive way with the racers Mm. and um, also the dogs that are on the track and coming off the track. So Mm -hmm. I know we are a little bit off track now, but um, they do make great therapy dogs and um, wonderful pets. So what's involved with, um, you know, someone's interested in finding out if their dog uh, has the temperament to be a therapy dog. How do they go about doing that through Project Canine? We have an introductory workshop that teaches you everything you need to know about can you and your dog be involved in this wonderful endeavor. And most dogs are wonderful companions to humans. Not all dogs are have the great makings for a therapy dog. So first and foremost, the dog has to have an abiding love for people and really want to be present to people and have the self-confidence to be able to handle all of the different kind of people and the different kind of situations they're in. So I guess if we were to put it in one big area of dog behavior, first and foremost, it would be temperament. Mm -hmm. And that would be temperament, sometimes specific you know, to the breed. We've got really bouncy dogs. My Jack Russell Terrier, who is now over 17. um, Wow. I know. He's (laughs) just a great little guy. He started out as a therapy dog because he needed a job. Yeah. And um, he got involved in typical Jack Russell is not the most um, well-known of therapy dogs, but he does love children and did love being involved and being active. So had a great temperament for just wanting to be with people. 
And we have every breed you can think of, but if you look at it from a um, standard therapy dog point of view, they have to be able to have a good temperament. They have to be able to handle, and we test for this in the testing, um, what we call novel and unusual situations. So mm. we want a dog, if somebody accidentally drops a food tray in a nursing home, they won't start barking and you know becoming very reactive or get really worried and upset. Um, they have to be able to handle what most people might call unusual behavior from humans. We do some work in some um, psychiatric facilities so that there sometimes can be um, noise and things that uh, some dogs might be um, a little shaky about. So they have to be able to handle that but also still be um, interested in working with people and being with people no matter who they are, what they look like, what they sound like, what they might be wearing, what the equipment around. So, you know, you're a trainer, you know, there's just something about a dog's behavior and personality that just, it, it says to you, this dog is really interested in bringing mm -hmm. happiness. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And I think that you'll you'll agree with this perspective of, and this applies not just to therapy dogs, but service work and, and really a lot of things, is that dogs, you know, they need us to advocate for them. So, yeah. you know, when in the evaluation process, looking at it from a perspective, you know, one of the lenses of if the dog could sign up for this, would the dog... Would the dog want to do this? You know, would the dog want to go out and, like you talk about, novel situations, novel environments? Are they going to be comfortable or is it going to be stressful for them? And are they interested in interacting with people? Absolutely. You, you're really right on there. And I have had people come to me in the class and said to me, oh, I just want my dog to be a therapy dog. I just, I so want to give joy to people. And I think they'll really like my dog. Look, he's really cute. And I'll look down and he's maybe hiding behind their legs going, mm, really, <laughs> my person wants to do this, but I'm scared to yeah. death. So you have to understand that it is demanding on a dog. Mm -hmm. And um, the average dog that enjoys being at this people or an average pet dog, um, may not have what it takes to really go out there and present and have the confidence um, that they need. The other side of the coin, some dogs just are so bouncy that they can't settle down to interact with a dog. Too uh, excited to see people. Yeah. 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 Um, so we not only test the dogs, but we're actually testing the humans, too. And one of the really important parts of our um, exam and certification is we're constantly looking to see, is this human advocating for their dog? Mm -hmm. Do they tell me, you know, he doesn't like to have you pet so hard. This is the best way to pet. We're looking to see, are you willing to say to a person, you know, my dog is a little tired right now. I'm going to just take a quick break outside and I'll be back in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's what we want people to do. And people will give me a curious look in training when I say, your first responsibility is to your dog. It's not to the person you've come to visit. You, of course, are there for them and they love you being there, but you're there to advocate for your dog because if you aren't, it could be dangerous to you, to the person you're visiting, and to your dog. We don't want to break this dog that yeah. has a great heart for people. Yeah. Well, Judy, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about Project Canine and the great work that you do. The website is projectcanine.org. 
I'm really interested in talking about in the next segment about the work that you do with kids in schools around bullying. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Dr. Penny Lloyd of Connection the Best Medicine, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, April 14th, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. I'll have open phone lines throughout the show. I'll answer any questions you have about your animal friend's health or behavior. So if there's something going on with your animals you want to talk with me or a related topic, give me a call. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U., Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. Spread the word. Your favorite shows are on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150. And we're back with Judy, 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 you have lots of hats, but you are the founder, aren't you, of Project Canine? Yes. Okay. I'm one of the founders. Yes. Okay, one of the founders. Uh, we've been talking about Therapy Dog, your pro- your certification and programs that you offer for people who are interested in teaming up with their dog as a therapy dog. 
And you also have as one of your many um, different branches of Project Canine, and you can check them out on their website, projectcanine.org, um, called Bridges to Compassion, where you work with kids in schools. Tell us a little bit more about that. It's a program that is committed to having the bridge be the relationship with the dog. All of the dogs who do the program first have to be um, a certified therapy dog through our program called Connecting Canines. That is the therapy dog division. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be um, trained and certified and really good at being able to handle everything that goes with going into a school setting. And we do kindergarten and preschool, actually, um, all the way up through high school ages. And once they've gone through that, then there's a training where we actually have a curriculum that we take into schools and the teachers and the admin get to choose whether it's a four, six, eight, or 12-week program. So we develop relationship with those teachers and those students. Mm -hmm. And the curriculum is designed to address all the aspects of humanity. So some schools call it part of their character development program. We just say it's compassion education, and we um, talk about why are dogs so good at loving and forgiving people. And we talk about their nature, that they just want to be in relationship with us. So we have different units, everything from um, for kindergartners and the early grammar school ages, we just talk about kindness and we talk about caring for animals and how um, animals give love when we we give them love. Mm-hmm. And then as we move into the upper elementary and middle school, we talk about social things like bullying and abuse, abuse at home, domestic violence. Uh, we talk a lot about um, caring for the environment. Because we're in Puget Sound, we have a great um, lesson that we do on the whales of Puget Sound and are we abusing them and how can we be more humane to them. So it's really broad spectrum, but our big focus is really on bullying. And we use role model, role model pit bulls in that situation. And the first lesson is we bring a fabulous pit in and sometimes the kids right away know what the breed is. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't, but you can imagine the reaction sometimes when uh, the kids hear what kind of dog it is and they'll always say, oh, they're bad dogs. And so we use that as an entree to be able to talk about, well, let's look at this dog. Is he bad? All he wants to do is, you know, kiss you today. And we talk about um, how has this dog perhaps been bullied? And we talk about compassion is the um, opposite of bullying and how you have the right to not bully and what compassion looks like. And we use the dogs as the opportunity for the child to come forward and express compassion to the dog. and mm-hmm. So it really hits the kids in their heart and it helps them understand if a dog who has been a bait dog or a dog that has been confiscated for fighting can be kind, respectful, and loving in this environment, can't we be that way too? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, the as, as, a, as a trainer in general, you know, the world of training, there's there's no standard. So there's, you know, as many different styles as there are people practically who are doing it. And it's such an opportunity when we're teaching people to work with dogs, um, especially adults, I think, to teach people how to be uh, powerful without being forceful. Absolutely. That's just so 
so perfectly stated. Yeah, and and you know, bullying is rooted in insecurity. So if you're, um, you know, tr- taking advantage or being a bully, it's it's almost like a giveaway that you you know why are you trying so hard to show off how powerful you are and right. preying on um, individuals who you know are vulnerable. Like, ooh, that's so impressive. And, you know, working with dogs is such a great way for people. And, you know, I'm not sure at what age kids can start to be in that conversation. Um, But, you know, really talking about nonverbal communication, um, patience, all of those uh, sort of core qualities of dog training, if you're really going to get into depth and be effective and really have a relationship, you know, mutual respect and all that stuff. But I think ultimately power without force is the biggest one. It really is. And one of our most successful programs was a program in the Edmonds School District with children who were special needs, primarily behavior and um, just a lot of perceptual issues and and autism and some um, anger issues. We actually did an eight-week program where those kids um, were actually um, in a dog training program. And they were 9 to 11 years old. They all were assigned a therapy dog. And their process was to train the dog, which, of course, you and I know the dog was well-trained. But they trained the dog in how to walk nicely on the leash with them as a child, how to sit down, stand, and do tricks. And then the last week of class, they invited the um, typical kids from the school in for a program to demonstrate what great dog trainers they were. Talk about the joy of kids being with dogs and building respect and compassion from kids who probably have spent a little bit of time making fun of that classroom. It just changed the attitude within those children, within the school, and the dogs, of course, facilitated that because they were they were perfect. They did whatever that little kid asked for, and mm. that really made a huge difference, and it was a dog just being a dog. Mm-hmm. What have you noticed, kids, uh, Your the, the response that you've gotten from kids um, as you've been doing this work with them, um, or any specific examples that you can think of? Yeah, um, I, I can think of quite a few, but um, we also did a, a program at Pathfinders Elementary, which is an alternative program in West Seattle. And there was a little girl in the kindergarten classroom who just wouldn't, she wouldn't talk, she wouldn't relate. She was just kind of within herself. And she finally became very enamored with my dog, Opie, and she started talking to him and started telling him things about her daily life. And then she was able to present to the group of kids in Morning Circle a story that she had written about Opie. Mm. And that was remarkable because it brought out her social skills. It allowed her to have um, something to center on a little dog. Mm -hmm. And it was really cute because he did a lot of tricks and she could get him to do that. And uh, she drew pictures to go along with it. So academically, it supported her. Socially, it supported her. And once again, she became, instead of an outcast in her group that felt uncomfortable talking, she became, oh, you're the little girl who Opie does, you know, Mm -hmm. tricks for. So just the basics of a dog relating to a child, the child was able to relate to her, her school environment. And fortunately, we went back several years in a row and 
it was just amazing to me to see what a great, uh, giving, kind, loving um, young lady she's become. Mm. Uh, that reminds me of um, Courthouse Dogs. Are you familiar with yes, them? Yes, I am. Oh, that organization with the, you know, supporting kids during forensic interviews is yes. so powerful. Yeah. It's something that Project K-9 would like to endeavor to get involved in, and people ask about it. Mm-hmm. They'd like to volunteer. And our answer right now is, when we do that, we want to do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. And right now, we just don't have the expertise and the time under our belt to really know how to do it perfectly. We'll get there. You know, we, yeah. we have some people with great experience in um doing all sorts of critical care support in situations like that. But we don't want to mislead anybody and say, hey, yeah, we'll bring our dogs into court because we we haven't trained in that yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll talk more with Judy and Project Canine. When we get back, you're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Medusia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Who is Jopra? What is Jopra? When is Jopra? Joe Janot is the host of a brand new show called Jopra. Joe has been nicknamed Jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening, just like a certain other talk show host of World Without. Born and raised in Seattle, independent-minded Joe Janot is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder, laugh, and deliberate. The Jopra Show is about the ins and outs of food and drink, relationships, entertainment, and so much more. Get to know Jopra every Thursday at 2, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Every generation needs a voice, and on Mondays at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk 1150, Lewis Howard's show, Head of the House, is the voice for the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Head of the House brings education, insight, and information that brings health and healing to the challenges of managing your home, relationships, and your career. Tune in once, and you will be hooked. That's Head of the House every Monday at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk 1150. Camley Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area, licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Good news, Belgium. We're streamed worldwide at 1150kknw.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. 
If you've missed any part of this interview or any of our 215 or so episodes, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, and also on uh, iTunes as a free audio podcast. And this interview will also be rebroadcast on Sunday at 1. And we're back talking with Judy Anderson Wright, who is one of the founders of Project Canine, a local organization that does has a lot of different branches. And we've talked about a couple of them so far. And in this last segment with you, Judy, um, wanted to touch on two more of, of your great um, branches of Project Canine. Um, the first one is Operation Opie, where you do uh, dog bite prevention and uh, dog safety education in schools. Again, so you guys do so much with kids, which is great. So tell we us do. more about the work that you do there. Well, kids, one of the major injuries they have, second only to car accidents, that require medical attention in a hospital uh, is a dog bite. And I think that so many of that could be prevented just by teaching parents and children what are the safe ways to interact with the dog. And sadly, um, a lot of the things that I was taught as a kid were wrong, and we're still teaching kids that. Um, It's okay to go up and put your hand up for a dog to smell, when in reality, that dog could smell you, you know, blocks away. And you and I as professional trainers know that when you put your hand in a dog's face, Dogs can be pretty tolerant, but they don't like it, and they certainly don't like being um, pet on top of their head or surprised. So we go to schools and we do the great dog assembly where all these great dogs from Project Canine come in and different breeds, everything from porties to wolfhounds to terriers and Uh, We have several um, tripod dogs um, and a cart dog, and they come in and they talk about how do they like to meet children, and we teach them the basics of um, always ask, don't um, put your face near a dog's face because what do they have in there? their mouth and teeth. Right. <laughs> so, That's good advice for adults, too. I, a lot is. of adults do that. Oh, hi, and then put your face right exactly. up in the dog's face. Um, so the most important element, I think, other than teaching the kids how to interact and ask before they touch is we send those kids home with homework for their parents. And it's pretty cute because the little kids always get excited when you tell them, you got homework. Oh, cool. (laughs) And we have a a lovely one-page sheet that goes home that explains to the parents how to do it. But this next statistic, I think, will blow you away. And that statistic is that the vast majority of dog bites to children One is to their face or two is to their hand. And when a dog bites a child in the face, it's usually because the kid has put their face in the face. And the majority of those dog bites don't happen on the first time or the second time or the third time they've met their dog. And they rarely are a strange dog that comes up to the child. The the things we hear about in the media um, are are not the main source of those serious Mm -hmm. dog bites. So here's the scoop. It's on the third visit, and what happens is the adults say, oh, you know, my dog Django has been playing great with these kids. They've been together two or three times. We can go have coffee now. You kids be nice to the dog. Okay, we'll be in the... And, you know, 20 minutes later, we've got a serious dog bite. And that's because there's no supervision. Dogs are dogs and kids are kids. So the homework says to parents, 
I understand now that dogs should not be left alone to play with children Mm -hmm. and that I have a responsibility as the adult to supervise. Doesn't mean it can't be fun. Doesn't mean that the kids can't interact with the dog. It just means if you want to be safe and prevent dog bites, that you need to supervise dogs. And this will be my last time on this soapbox, but those things that we see on Facebook where people are allowing their children to jump on their dog and stick their hands in their face and, you know, some happy parent is laughing behind the camera, astounds me that dogs are not biting kids more frequently. The reality is it happens more frequently than any of us want to know. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that it's after... It, that it's on the third visit typically and that it's in and all the reasons why and it's really a, re, a relaxing a premature or inappropriate relaxing of the adults like oh they've you know a sort of false sense of uh, security where right. oh they know each other they're fine um, so it's really good information for adults to hear about bite prevention for children you know important to teach kids on how to appropriately interact with dogs and also adults, how to appropriately look out for their kids and their dogs. I agree. And if if your listeners want a great resource with some fun teaching tools for kids, go to um, com. I don't know if you're aware of her work, Julie, but she's a, um, a vet and also a behaviorist, and she has got some of the best kid-centered videos and cartoons and posters that I've ever seen, and she gives permission for anybody to use them mm-hmm. in bite prevention training. We use them all the time. Sophia Yen, Y-E-N? Y-I-N. Y-I-N. Okay, I'll post that uh, link on our page as well, along with all of your information for Project Canine. And uh, before I let you go, let's talk about one more of the wonderful things that you do, which is Campus Canines. It is just great. Also, one of our big premier programs, we work a lot with the UW, although we've also been to Seattle Pacific Mm -hmm. and um, several other campuses about and are going to the Art Institute in a couple of days. But it's all designed to support students when they are really stressed out during midterms and finals. Mm -hmm. And the dogs come in for an opportunity for kids to snuggle, talk, watch, just be with. We've done everything from a business school training that had 500 students show up. Mm -hmm. We were just on the quad at the UW last week. And it's giving kids, students, the opportunity to be with dogs. We forget that when you go off to college, you oftentimes leave your lifelong friend behind. And the response has just been incredible. Um, Really, really gratifying and really fun. You know, it's such an interesting little demographic of of humans, Uh, the, the new college student. And I can certainly identify you know, these people who have perhaps grown up with dogs all their life and then are now away at school and away from their family dog and sort of going through dog withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to bring dogs in and, you know, anyway, I know I would have loved this at any time um, in school, but especially during those high stress times, uh, the highest stress times, midterms and finals, how wonderful that must be for them to just have that break and to benefit from uh, the emotional support that dogs give us, um, in addition to the you know physiological 
uh, benefits as far as just relaxation and all that. It is. It's great. And one of the things I'm really impressed with is one of the um, fraternities and sororities have teamed together. Instead of having a big wild kager night, <laughs> they actually have a dog therapy night. Oh. And it's one of the most attended events that they put on where people just come and hang with the dogs. That's really a neat thing socially because a lot of the students have said there's so much pressure um, to socialize and to, you know, party and be wild. And I'm the first to say I understand that as a college student. But I also know that being able to just have a quiet evening snuggling with dogs and hanging out with them is a pretty cool thing. So it's really unusual to walk into a frat house and see all of these students hanging out, snuggling with the dog. The first time you see it, it's it's quite intriguing. Yeah, the least likely place one it might is. think. Yeah, I call it Animal House, the different version. Oh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> Well, it's such a such a great. I mean, in general, it's such an interesting uh, phenomenon, and I th- I think it makes perfect sense because dogs and people have been living together, co-evolving for tens of thousands of years. So it would make sense that we have a physiological response to them because we've been living with them for so long. Um, as far as the them really giving us the ability to relax, and if you think about it you know, thousands of years ago, uh, and I people can relate to this now. I know I can, having dogs in my house. A lot of people, one of the benefits is that they feel more secure because you have that alert. Right. You know, I don't need people to knock on my door because I already know you're here because my dogs are letting me know. Exactly. And yes. that, I think, is uh, more wired in us than we maybe talk about just as, or or widely accept. I mean, if dogs have been living with people for 30,000 years, and I've heard some people say potentially a lot more than Mm -hmm. that. That's a long time for two species to be co-evolving together. I mean, it's almost like we're wired to live together. I agree, and I think the other thing they do for us is, we hear this all the time, but it's so true, they are unconditional. doesn't matter what is going on, they will love you. doesn't care what you're wearing or what you look like or... um, you know, what your major is in college, they will be there for you. And that's, I, I'm so astounded by this species, whether they're a therapy dog or just a wonderful pet family companion. They are an amazing species, aren't they? They are. I love them. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> How nice to get to work with them every day, huh? It's a gift, I'll yeah. tell you. It's not, it's not always easy, but it's also always rewarding and I go home to my own dogs at night and think how lucky I am that I'm I'm with them all day and in the evening too and they they certainly give more to me than I do to them. Mm. Well, thank you so much for uh being on the show. I'm so glad that Donna reached out to me and uh you know for us to just have the opportunity to, to talk about all of the wonderful work that you do through Project Canine. Again, that website is projectcanine.org. You can find them on Facebook as well. And if you've missed any part of this interview, it will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 and, of course, archived on dogradioshow.com and available as a free podcast on iTunes. Well, thanks, Julie. And just if anybody's gotten all jazzed and pumped up about giving this a try, we do have a training workshop coming up, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after, and you can find that on our website, too, and sign up for it. 
um, and, and give it a shot and find out if this might be something that you'd like to do to share with your canine companion. That's great. And before I let you go, I just wanted to mention one thing in case anybody's wondering. You don't have any um, food restrictions for the dogs that participate we in your programs, do you? We don't. We, unlike some other organizations, believe that um, people know what their dogs should eat and their dog's nutrition and that they have every right to feed what they want. And we know that they'll bring their dog safe and happy and clean and ready to visit. So yeah. that's a really important part of of what we do with Project Canine. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, and thanks for listening to the show in general, and keep up the great work. My pleasure. I hope we'll meet meet in person someday. Yes, me too. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you, Julie. You're welcome. All right, Bye-bye. we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with one more segment. Uh, going to send a shout-out to some special listeners today. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. The dog was here first. That's what you told me. You said the dog was here first. Yeah, you said the dog was here first. If you don't like it, you can leave. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com made fresh each day for you alternative talk 11:50 a.m. yeah yeah you said the dog was here first if you don't like it you can leave well you welcome back to the dog show with Julie Forbes what well, was such a great interview with Judy of Project Canine talking all about therapy dogs and bite prevention with kids and anti-bullying and all that great stuff, uh, working with dogs to help help communicate those things. Wanted to send a special shout-out to some listeners. Um, 
Speaking of bullying, um, I wanted to say how great it is to be married to my wife in Washington State. And um, our wedding planner and her fiancé and their family and their dog, Willie Nelson, the infamous Yorkie, are all listening right now. So wanted to say hi to them. And uh, if you're looking for a wedding planner, uh, newchapterweddings.com is the website. Jenny Harding, she's great. Check her out. Thanks for listening, you guys. So we're going to talk with, in just a minute, um, Eric, Eric's dog, well, Eric's girlfriend's dog, Abby the Beagle, has been on um, Natural Pet Pantry for a few weeks, and um, she was suffering from some allergies, skin rashes. Eric um, talked about uh, odor that he's, I think he referred to it as the corn chip odor and, um, you know, shared with me about Abby's um, sort of challenges that she was having. And Natural Pet Pantry um, is, of course, my recommended food. They make both raw and cooked foods for dogs and cats. And um, Eric, you guys have had Abby on Natural Pet Pantry now for a few weeks? Yeah, I think it's been about three weeks now. Okay. Although, the, you know, the weeks just <laughs> blow by these days. They do, for don't me, they? So I can't keep track of anything anymore or time-related, unfortunately. But I've, I feel like it's been about three weeks. It's yeah. been about three weeks. And, um, and so she's switched over now to Natural Pet Pantry, and she was eating a dry... Yeah, dry food. Yeah, the uh, vet had recommended a uh, a kibble, um, and uh, I you know I don't know what that kibble was, but mm-hmm. uh, we did switch over to the natural pet pantry. Started off on venison and uh, some venison with veggies, and um, unfortunately, Abby was still having a reaction. So, mm-hmm. uh, natural pet pantry, uh, Randy yeah. actually recommended going all rabbit, all meat. Uh, no veggies there, and uh, it seems to be making a difference. She uh-huh. she does smell a lot better. She used to smell kind of like a corn chip, Fritos, <laughs> <like laughs> but could now, be worse, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not the worst thing in the world, but it, it's obviously not comfortable for her because yeah. she's she was itching and scratching and stuff, and her skin was red, and you could see that. Um, and now that seems to be uh, improving quite a bit. Yeah. Although she she does have a, a little bit of a rash. Uh, down in her nether regions at the moment, <laughs> and we're not uh, sure exactly where that's from, but yeah. that could be um, environmental. It could be grass mm-hmm. or something like that. Could so. be seasonal. It also takes, uh, for dogs that are really um, in a reaction where their systems are just really thrown off, it can mm-hmm. take some time to really work that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be curious to hear, uh, you know, three weeks from now, if you have noticed right. continued improvement, it's great that you've noticed some improvement. And it makes me wonder about the corn chip thing, because I bet that there was corn in her food. That That is entirely possible, yeah. If she was on a prescription diet, which mm-hmm. she probably was because of her symptoms, mm-hmm. most of those have corn in them. Mm. Or a lot of them, anyway. Right. So it, it's just a curious thing when you say corn chips. I know it was something that uh, was probably in her food, at least before... Um, the specialty food that was recommended by the vet. Now, I didn't see the ingredients on that bag, so yeah. I don't know, but I know it was probably something in the food that she was getting before mm-hmm. she got the prescription diet, so it's probably in her system for quite yeah. some time. So. Yeah. But uh, definitely seems to be improving. She's moved in with us now, uh, living with us. She was uh, being taken care of um, by uh, my girlfriend's mother, 
and uh, now she's moved in with us. Unfortunately, she was having a problem um, while she was peeing <laughs> on the carpet huh. uh, in uh, uh, my girlfriend's mom's house, and um, so uh, she's decided to move in <laughs> with us, and, and hopefully we won't have that issue. But uh, Well, uh, it, do you know any people who specialize in dog training and behavior that might be able to help you? In case, well, I was kind of wondering. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe we could I'll talk see about if that. I can, I'll yeah. see if I can. I'll ask around, see if I can. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to uh, ask if you had any tips um, for a dog that, uh, or for some owners of a dog that uh, have a dog that is, um, you know, been potty trained at uh, one point, but then has decided to start having, you know, accidents like this, or maybe not accidents because he was going in the same place, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is always to check and make sure she doesn't have a urinary tract infection, mm, bladder okay. infection, something like that. And I think that's pretty easy um, with a urine sample that you, you know, that they can check for bacteria, I believe in that. So that would be the, the first thing to rule out. And there's characteristics of that, too, typically if the dog is having to go frequently Mm-hmm. Um, uh, frequent smaller urinations tend to be more um, indicative of that. But um, and then the other thing would be, you know, potentially behavioral, uh, and that's sort of a longer conversation as far as looking into that. Yeah. I think it might be behavioral because it, <laughs> I, I'm not seeing any other indications that uh, she's got a. Urinary tract infection. So. Is she doing it with you at your, at your place? No, so far she has not. Okay. So just really set her up for success and, you know, taking her out to go potty frequently, mm-hmm. um, you know, always lots of exercise, um, play find it with her, that mm-hmm. game where you hide treats. She's a beagle, so she's a yeah. scent hound especially, but really uh, all dogs love to play that. And I mean all dogs, mm-hmm. all <laughs> Um, you know, giving her stuff to do. And that will also help her, you know, the more structure that you can give her because she is in a transition right now because she's moved. Right. Um, Now, is she used to living with cats? Uh, She is, yeah. Okay. And how are Marshmallow and Fergal handling the addition of a new new dog? Surprisingly well. Yeah? Surprisingly well, yeah. They're cool with it? They have not freaked out at all, and I, I thought that maybe they would, but she's been over to visit before, and they've, okay. they've had a, a good attitude about it. So maybe they think, well, she's just here for a couple of days, but, right. but so far, so good. She's been great. We'll right. be polite while she's still visiting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. She's a guest in our home. Right. We might as well <laughs> be friendly. Right. So. We'll or, see in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, the, the hospitality of cats. That's right. Um, structure is, is a friend. Structure mm-hmm. is, is a dog's friend. Um, so, uh, and also training. So just working with her, I don't know if Jess has, or her parents have done any sort of training, um, sit down, rug, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Just because what it does is it engages their brain mm-hmm. and that in general has an overall calming grounding effect on dogs. Yeah. So, you know, positive structure in a way that the dog enjoys, but still gives them a sense of security as well. But mm-hmm. the frequent um, the frequent potting, do you have a yard or do you have to walk her out? We have a yard. Okay. Yeah. So just lots of um, being really intentional about showing her where the potty areas are and, mm-hmm. and trying to prevent the accidents. I mean, the first rule of house training is prevention. Right. Try to be one step ahead. Yeah, it's just weird because uh, she had been, you know, so well behaved in this particular manner uh, in the past and then 
has just developed an issue mm-hmm. with uh, Jess's mom. Then mm-hmm. could Spite be <laughs> part of it? I wonder. Could she be mad <laughs> about you know changes in her life? Or um, I'm not sure. A spite is really accurate, although sometimes it does feel that way to mm-hmm. us humans. But it could be sort of a manifestation of upset. So if okay. there's a you know, I mean, dogs are affected by change. So yeah. if there was a change in scheduling or, you know, in some cases where dogs go through a divorce and mm-hmm. there's a divorce in their family, it can totally whack them out. And then you can see behaviors like. Well, she's certainly been through a lot of changes over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. So it could be possible that mm-hmm. she's just kind of, you know, uh, up in arms or <laughs> upset uh-huh. about uh, all the changes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, keep me posted on that. I will. And we'll be checking in about the food and then also about the the transition in general. And thanks for the report. And uh, that brings us to close to the end of this show. Um, And it's just been another another wonderful show today talking with Judy of Project Canine, projectcanine.org. I'm going to Florida tomorrow to visit my 99-year-old Nana. All right. Say hi to Nana for us. The same Nana. If you've been listening for years, it's the same Nana who called in a few years ago and um, (laughs) told me how smart I was on air. And she was like, I don't know, 97 at the time. And she's 99 now. She's still around. Any of the dogs going with you? Nope. No, nope, they're staying here, holding down the fort. So well, probably for the best. Yes, I don't think <laughs> that's a lot of travel. That is a lot of travel for sure. So, uh, but I'll be back by uh, next week, and uh, can't wait to be back next Wednesday, two to three p.m. live, and then rebroadcast every Sunday at one. And uh, be sure to become a fan of us on Facebook, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and all of our episodes are archived on our website, DogRadioShow.com and on iTunes as a free audio podcast. Eric, enjoy the sun. What a great day to take your dog for a walk. Absolutely. It's not even raining at this very no, moment. No, it's so. amazing. And hopefully when this is replayed on Sunday, it will also <laughs> be a great day we to can take only your dog hope. for a walk. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>